And welcome welcome to Movie Takes. I'm Dean McFadden with... James. And today's our episode on Fantastic Four. Psych, got you. We didn't see Fantastic Four. You no didn't either. Did. Yeah, nobody yeah. did. No one did. <laughs> uh, I've, I've never not cared about a movie like this much ever. I don't think like as far as like movies that I should want to go see. Yeah. Nothing. No, I've never had to remind myself so many times that a, a Marvel movie was coming out. Like a week before it comes out, I was like, is that, is that, is that out yet? Is, yeah, no, it's not. Oh, okay. The only reason I even consider going to see it is because like about two weeks before it came out, it came out, um, um, LP from Run the Jewels did like one small piece of the end score, and I'm a big fan of them. So I'm like, hey, that would be kind of cool. I've always wanted him to score a movie. Who who is it? Um, he he's a like indie kind of producer, musician, rapper, all that kind of wonderful stuff. Most people are fans. You haven't heard of him, I'm sure. <laughs> but no, I no nothing about the trailers made it look appetizing at all. And it turns out 80% of the trailers weren't in the movie. (laughs) Well, just from watching the trailer, I knew, like, I had no doubt that it was going to just absolutely be just destroyed by the studio. Like, no matter how good the actual movie was, I knew that the studio would destroy it. And that, from what I've read, that seems to be what happened. I think that like the writer and director and a whole like several other people have all come out and said this was not the final movie that we. Watched. Well, no, the the director Josh Trank, whatever his name is, uh, tweeted out like days before the movie came out, like a year ago. I had a fantastic cut of this movie that would have gotten great reviews. So, and then he quickly deleted it, but it's the internet, so it still exists. Yeah. Um, I mean, at some now, point, at some point, I'm probably gonna watch it. You know, for the same reason that I watched, um, was it um, Wolverine or- Origins? Well, I saw that opening weekend. I saw that day one. Like, I, I, me and all my friends rushed from high school once class was out to go see that movie. And it was... The best part about that movie were the opening credits. They were actually really cool, well-put-together montage credits of... Wolverine and Sabretooth fighting through wars. It was that was the best part about the entire movie. Yeah, I, uh, the the thing that I will always remember about that movie is just the fact that the the version of it that got leaked had the incomplete special effects in it, and that was kind of cool to see. <laughs> yeah, I never watched that, but that made, that movie made so much money opening weekend compared to Fantastic Four, which made less than the first two Fantastic Four movies did when they opened. So, so anyway, the a plan for this episode was for us to talk about The World's End. Um, that was a month ago. That was a month ago. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had um, life happen. Uh, we've had scheduling issues happen. And so now also we're lazy. Also, we're a little bit lazy. Hey, I was on vacation. I had to go to Texas. You had to come to Arkansas. There, were, there was lots of driving and yeah. not being home. And I have a 
I had a cat that went to labor and gave birth to seven kittens. Yeah, so that's we, what, that was our last delay. Yeah, that yeah that was the yeah that was it was supposed to happen last Thursday, and then my cat went to labor in my closet, and uh, there are now seven very cute kittens just squirming around and rolling around, not sure what's going on. Uh, their, their eyes are not open yet, but yeah, that was our last delay. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Originally, Matt was going to join us, but that. Obviously hasn't happened because he's not speaking. Um, so <laughs> he's just he's just sitting quietly waiting to be addressed. So Matt, what'd you think of the movie? Well, you know it was good. I appreciated it. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I guess what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of catch up. We're going to talk about the world's end for a second. We're going to talk about you know a few other movies that we wa- both watched um, in the last month, and just in general, just have fun. All right, so the world's in. This this came out two years ago. I remember I saw it uh, in Indianapolis. I actually went and saw three movies in one night. I saw Kick-Ass 2, which wasn't good. I saw The World's End, which at the time I thought it was, it was okay. It was decent. It was good. And then I saw uh, You're Next, which was awesome. Uh, so, But it, when I saw The World's End uh, last month... Uh, that was the first time I'd watched it in two years. Uh, what, what do you, what do you remember about it originally two years ago? Um, I, I remember, um, enjoying it. I, you know, I, I like Shaun of the Dead, but not as much as many people do. I really like Hot Fuzz. So I was, yeah. I was pretty excited about it. Um, there was a theater within, you know, an hour or so of where I live that was playing it. So we, um, me and some friends actually went and saw it at the, uh, um, Paradigio in Memphis on our way back from Nashville. Um, so that was like kind of the end to a road trip. And that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think, you know, the more I think about it, um, having seen it a couple of times since then, I think it's my favorite of the, these, the Cornetto trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I feel like it pulls together different elements of, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz into a more co- cohesive, you know, package. Um, you know, even though it's obviously not like, you know, there's not actual continuity, but the filmmaking style, you know, mm-hmm. comes together in its best version for me. Um, and I, I really like the storytelling. I really like the, the, the major themes of the movie, you know, the, the whole like, you know, kind of returning to the scene kind of thing where you're, you know, you're reliving what to you is a happy point in your life. You know, that, that your your glory days. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I I like the friendship aspects of it. I like the, you know, the big twist halfway through, you know, I thought was really well done. And actually the fight scenes, I thought I I really, really enjoyed. No. Okay. That's, because I remember when I first saw it, I was unimpressed by the fight scenes because it felt, at the time anyway, each fight scene just felt like just a retread of the previous one or the, the very first fight in the bathroom. It just seemed like everyone just, there was nothing that really separated them. And um, after the second time I saw it, I didn't feel that way as much, but... I still, I still, 
I still wasn't impressed by the action in general. Um, one one thing I did like was the part where um, Edgar Wright's character, not Edgar Wright. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nick Frost, Nick Frost, uh, where he he gets the bar stools and breaks them and uses them like the Hulk would uh, two cars. Um, I did like that, but uh, yeah, I think I think that might have been one of the things I didn't like about the first time was like the the fighting wasn't very unique from from set piece to set piece. And I think the beginning of the movie where um, Gary King is narrating what happened 20 years ago, I felt like that was a weird way to start the movie. I'm just not a fan of voiceovers to start movies in general. Uh, Like I just saw American Ultra the other night and that's essentially how the movie starts with the main character giving voiceover explaining to you his life situation right before the right before the story starts it just it's always felt lazy but i think those were my two biggest nitpicks um but after the second viewing one thing that really impressed me was simon Pegg because he acted his butt off towards the end of the movie yeah that's what i was gonna bring up is um the physical comedy that he brings into it without it being too you know over the top is great. Like there, there's one scene where he, you know, just goes to jump over a fence and just falls flat on his face and just pops right back up and just keeps going. Well, that that's a reference to b- both, um, Shaun of the dead and hot buzz. Yeah. But I mean, still it's the, you know, the acting on it is just spot on. You know, he, he's always, he's on for the entire movie and he really drives that, that vibe of that, you know, that, like I said, the returning to the scene type of, type of vibe with it really well. Well, I was talking about like at the very end when he's in the world's end with yes. him and Nick Frost and they're finally like, he's saying what's wrong with him or whatever. And he just kind of breaking down. And I was like, that's the best acting performance I'd seen out of a uh, sound peg so far in his career that I thought um, he, 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 it was kind of gut wrenching. He, you know, he was, sad he was he's at the end of his rope and um i mean essentially this movie, he, he was going to commit suicide in this movie that's yeah. that's that's what um but uh but i i listened to the to the director's commentary pretty much right after i watched the movie and that that have you watched the director's commentary no i haven't okay but um well yeah it was with um edgar wright and Simon Pegg. And uh, it, it it opened my eyes a little bit to more about what was going on with the movie, um, especially like with symbol symbolism and stuff like that. But um, I, I mean, I, I liked it more. I, I'm not I'm not sure what I would have changed aside from the opening and the fight choreography. You know, it's funny. Whenever I went and saw it in theater with some friends, like Matt was one of the people that was with me, and mm-hmm. um, he actually had to run to the bathroom at the very end of it and oh. missed everything like he left during the the final like car not really car chase or they're they're driving away from the explosion oh okay he left during that so he missed the entire <laughs> like post-apocalyptic part of it 
Oh, wow. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, always go to the bathroom before the movie. Oh. <laughs> oh, did you have to, like, how hard was it to explain to him what happened? I think, you know, when we saw it, it was right at the end of the theatrical run, so I think that he ended up, like, not seeing it. Like, I, I don't think we told him about it. I, I think he decided he wanted to wait until it actually came out and to watch it. <laughs> That's that's horrible. That that link that keeps you from having so many conversations about a movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I can't remember the last time I did. Oh no, I think the last time I used the restroom in the middle of a movie I hadn't seen was War Horse. And I, and I I I I didn't feel guilty about it. That wasn't a good movie. Uh, <laughs> that's one of the, that's one of the few Steven Spielberg movies I don't care for. Or at least the first 30 minutes, where it's all sappy boy and a horse on a farm stuff. Everything after that's fine. But, um... So, um, on the subject of Simon Pegg, um, how, did, how did you feel about his performance in Mission Impossible 5? Which we also, also both watched. No, it, it, it was good. Um, I'm glad he's found... I'm glad he's, he's found a place in that franchise... Especially seeing as how he was a, a latecomer to it, he he didn't show up in it till the third one in Mission Impossible Three, which came out in '06, and so him and Ving Rhames are the only uh, actors who have appeared in more than one Mission Impossible movie outside of Tom Cruise. But no, he, he he's good. He's got some good comedic presence to the film. Uh, he did have really one good the scene where he he's basically speaking for the villain who I couldn't tell you the villain's name which is really the worst part about the Mission Impossible movie Mission Impossible movies you can never think of the villain's name like a week later uh, but I think I can remember the Mission, Mission Impossible 3 villain um, I, I can't right now but um, no no Sam Pank was good uh I enjoyed Mission Impossible 5 a lot more than the fourth one, which I watched for the first time since it came out in theaters about a week before I saw Mission Impossible 5. See, you know, as we've discussed before, I really I really like the the fourth one, um, mainly just because of the, the way they kind of adapted to, you know, rapidly changing, like, real-world technology. And I thought that was, you know, a th good, thoughtful, like, storytelling element was to kind of, you know, contrast the spy tech with, you know, you know real-world tech. But as far as, like, the... Um, this latest one, is it Rogue Nation? Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it honestly, not super memorable um but like my thoughts like as like the credits were rolling and everything was we need more of these movies this, this was very enjoyable i very much it was oh no it, no it, it was a fun ride um so well, one thing i hate about how they market these mission impossible movies or this one anyway most of the marketing was entirely around the plane stunt which is two minutes into the movie I hate that. Uh, your 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 biggest stunt should not be 
the opener. It should be second act or at least third act. That 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 ticked me off, but it was still a good stunt. Um, uh, but like where where this contrasted for me with uh, Ghost Nation. Ghost Protocol. Yeah, I, I, I've been calling it Rogue Protocol, like, since the first trailer. <laughs> so don't feel bad to confuse the titles. Uh, Ghost Protocol is like, that movie was, it had some nice moments, but that movie was all about stunts. That's all, the purpose of that movie was, how do we get from stunt A to stunt B? And, like, I, I tune out. There, I tuned, I pretty much tuned out during the whole skyscraper climbing scenes. Like, cause it, it didn't, sure it looks cool, but it really didn't do anything for the movie. And neither oh. did the car chase the, through the desert and the blinding snowstorm that looked pretty bad. Um, I mean, let's not pretend that the Mission Impossible movies at this point don't exist to be Tom Cruise's extreme vacation. No, I, I don't know. I don't agree with that. Th- those are, those the, <laughs> those, <laughs> okay, maybe a little bit, but the, I, I, I think the James Bond movies are more guilty of that. It's like, what exotic locale can we go to this time, Bond? Um, uh, which is fu- funny because I, 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 st- I watched the first two James Bond movies over the last couple months, and that's very much... Th- those are guilty of just stringing along moments to make Sean Connery look cool. There's, there's not a good plot to them at all. They're just not... Yeah. Uh, Doctor No and From Russia with Love are not good movies, but um, but no, I, I like I, like we said earlier, like I love Mission Impossible Three. That that is a very effective emotional through line for the entire movie for Ethan Hunt's character. Uh, he doesn't care about saving the world in that movie. All he cares about is saving his wife. That's the purpose of the movie. You're never never even told what the MacGuffin of the movie, uh, a rabbit's foot, is. It's just a thing. It's a rabbit foot, rabbit's foot, and all Ethan knows is that he's got to keep it out of Owen Davian's hand. That's his name, Owen Davian. Um, but uh, Mission Impossible Four, like I have no idea who the villain was or what his purpose was or anything. Um, do you remember in Ghost Protocol when the Kremlin blew up? Um, I believe so. Like, okay, that movie came out four four years ago. That explosion has not aged well. Like, like you should go back and watch it. It does, The explosion does not, it has not aged well. Um, mostly with the smoke work and stuff. But, um, but no, no uh, Rogue, Rogue Nation was a lot more fun. Um, it's more, it's got a better pace, pacing to it. And I just I can't even remember her name. The, the the lead actress in the movie. Uh, why can't I think of her name? Rebecca Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson. She plays Ilsa. She was amazing. I loved her. Um, I think yeah, she's definitely the best um, actress that's been a part of the the series so far and i say that having not seen mission impossible 2 yeah and the thing that i really enjoyed about her role is that they didn't force 
really a, a romance between her and Tom Cruise. Like, no, there yeah. was, it was this like, you know, mutual respect, friendship, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, well, there, there's that one. There's that one moment where they're in the airport and she says to him, "Just, just leave this and this. Just leave with me." There, there's that one brief moment where they try to try to allude to it. But if but if you go off the, the last two movies, Ethan's married, so they, they don't even mention that in this movie. So maybe he's not anymore. Yeah. But, and, uh, well, the thing is, like for me, it it's such a you know when you know you're obviously going to compare you know these kind of movies to like the James Bond movies, and the big turnoff that I have with so many of those is the the absolutely soulless romance type thing with women. Yeah. And the, and well, then, that, that, that's different with the Daniel Craig movies. I think uh, with uh, all of them. Was it the most except, Okay, except Skyfall. Except Skyfall. That, that one. No, no, no. M. M was the Bond girl in Skyfall. But even then, like, the the woman that popped up in, I think, Hong Kong and then got was, like, immediately killed. Yeah. Just, it honestly left such a bad taste in my mouth that it tainted the entire movie. Really? Yeah, yeah. It just it it just felt maybe kind of feel sick. But I, when like like I just said with M, I think aside from Casino Royale, um, where there was just one Bond girl, I think the three since wait the two since then, um, Quantum of Solace and Skyfall, they they were able to balance. They had two Bond girls. There's the one that's the eye candy Bond gets to fool around with. And then there's the other one who represents the emotional, actual plot-driven, character-driven Bond girl. Um, in Quantum of Solace, there was the redhead secret agent, I think, who got died, who died after being covered in oil, I believe. And then there was the other one played by... Um, She was Russian. I know she's Russian, but she 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 was also a secret agent who represented a mirror image of James Bond, and uh, I thought that was good. He didn't sleep with her. He just gave her a peck on the cheek at the end of the movie. But um, but with Skyfall, you you, you had yeah you had the girl who showed up in in Shanghai or Hong Kong. Like I can't even remember her name. Uh, she served served her purpose and then died, but. The real Bond girl of that movie was M. M. M is the one that finally gets to go somewhere with, with James Bond on an adventure. And ultimately she dies, but she, she was the true Bond girl of that movie. Um, and she, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but e- e- Eva Green in Casino Royale is by far my favorite Bond girl ever. So um, I think we've both seen Ant-Man, right? Yeah, it's all twice. Yeah, uh, and we haven't talked about it. Nope. Cool. So, what did you think about it? You start. You you go first. Um, it was. Yeah, you know, the one of the things that I have been kind of looking forward to and kind of excited about was with the Marvel movies is how they're they they've kind of gone this route of making different genre type movies mm-hmm. with the du- different superheroes. And I think they're, you know, self-aware enough to understand that making big world changing movies, every time they have a movie comes out, 
um, is going to just lead to problems and make things more complicated and make things not stand alone on their own. So mm-hmm. I'm really, really enjoyed that you had this mostly self-contained story. You know, I, I like the, the highest elements of it. Um, it's still, I, I feel like that the kind of rules of this character weren't established very well. Yeah, I agree. It, it was very much a, here's all this crap that I can do. Um, kind of thing, you know. Especially the controlling the ants was there was never even a, you know, token explanation for it. Really, it was just you can control them. But the, oh, he, he has the thing in his ear that helps him communicate with them. Yeah, but still, sound, it, sound waves or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just that was kind of weird. But I thought that. You know, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I, it was what I was hoping for. Um, so, you know, I was pretty satisfied with it overall, and I did I did enjoy the small you know touches of the broader universe. Yeah, uh, the, the the one the one stroke uh, spoiler uh, um, Falcon from the Captain America Winter Soldier shows shows up. Uh, I'm split on it because that moment where he Scott goes to get that whatever he went to get because that wasn't properly explained or it was just like oh here's something we need for the heist go get it um, and it winds up being at the Avengers facility in New York uh, it's cool it's cool oh he, he to show that he can in fact go one on one with a member of the vent one of the lower tier vendors um, but it was cool but it just felt tacked on like oh yeah here, here's something to tie into the larger universe because I really I really didn't like that the way they set up that whole sequence oh we need this thing to block a signal I think it was and it's just like they just kind of brushed it away it's like oh I got it and it was over um, yeah but, I mean, the, the ties between that scene and the rest of the movie were definitely pretty weak but I still enjoyed the scene oh yeah I mean it, it, it if you separate it off from the rest of the movie, it's a really fun sequence. But how how you set that up was very half-assed. I mean, it it just it really was. Um, what, what you said with the rules not making sense. This movie, Ant Man, was very conflicted over whether uh, Scott Lang was a master criminal or if the thing he did to get into prison was just a one-time thing. They, I don't think they could establish his level of ability on that very well. Like, the, it, it felt confused when it came to that. And I think that kind of made him suffer a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's... Well, for me, it wasn't... It was just mainly that it was... They didn't even really make an effort to kind of establish... Like, so much... Like, a lot of the other kinds of, you know powers that you have out there have a you know an a explanation even if they're kind of silly they work within the universe you know iron man has he's super smart but he also has the the arc reactor thing at least you know at the beginning um the you know thor is you know a god you know 
all that sort of stuff. Whereas, you know, Ant-Man is, here's a super cool suit that, oh yeah, it can do these things too. Well, um, but also Scott Lane, he's, he's a criminal, but we're going to kind of whiffle off on what, how, yeah, what kind yeah. of criminal he is. That, that, that's the part that like, the, the way other characters interacted with him made it seem like he was a master criminal, but the way he acted and talked about himself, it just seemed as if what he had done to get in the prison was just a one-off deal that he, that, which is weird. He, he, he's like, he worked for that company. He was some sort of tech guy. And then he broke into someone's computer and stole files. I, I don't know. Yeah. It was, so. Yeah. Um, what did you think of um, uh, Michael Pena's character? Stole the movie. Oh, yes, definitely. Oh, absolutely stole the like, they They better do a Marvel one-shot of his character. I don't know what he'd be doing, but I want, like, a 10-minute short film of Michael Pena playing Lewis. Yeah, he's playing, he played Lewis. Like, I he, hope he, he gets, you know, whenever they have, like, the whatever the next big Marvel movie with all the Civil different War. characters is it Civil War. Yeah. I hope that the next time that, you know, Ant-Man shows up in a, like a broader movie that they give it, um, uh, Michael Pena's character, just one shot. <laughs> just a shot. Just like, just like, like him just responding to something. Yeah. He doesn't have to say anything. He just gives be a facial expression. <laughs> no, I, I, which you know, Ant-Man, it was originally supposed to be directed by um, the guy who directed the movie we just talked about. <laughs> what was his name? Edgar Wright. There we go. All right. It was, real, it was originally supposed to be directed by Edgar Wright. And he, him and Marvel came to a disagreement like a month before the movie was supposed to go into production. But the... We, from everything I remember reading about the movie after it came out, a lot of the stuff in the movie people assumed was left over from Edgar Wright was actually like the brainchild of Peyton Reed. And I think one of those was the sequences where uh, Lewis is explaining how he got information. Yeah, yeah. Which were the, the hilarious. I, I love that he, he he's just like, uh, what, low, middle class what what i don't know how to describe him but i love that <laughs> this thief or whatever is actually a very highbrow kind of guy he goes to art museums he goes to wine tasting <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he gets sidetracked and talks about the wine <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I really enjoyed it um it yeah i'm i hope for more films that you know have that same kind of scope for marvel and have that same vibe too, like just not, you know, not super serious, but not so lighthearted that nothing has any weight to it. Well, I don't, I don't. Okay, you get Civil War coming up next year, which is basically Avengers two point five. Um, which is every, honestly a little weird to, that they're doing such such a big thing within, you know, within one of the characters' film art film lines i guess uh, a little bit but i mean it, because the, the 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 actual next avengers movie are the infinity 
war movies, which is when you'll finally see Thanos showing up and all that. Yeah. So, but in this movie, as far as I know, Thor won't be in it. Hulk won't be in it. Um, so I think Matt Matt said it like they're t- they t- they've taken the heavy hitters out out of the story. So there won't be cosmic um, significance to the movie. Um, it'll probably be more grounded than Age of Ultron was. Is it confirmed that it's that Spider Man's going to be in this one? Yes, yes, he is. Um, so yeah, we'll get to see him, but, uh, uh, you, you get Civil War, Adventures in 2.5, then you get, uh, Doctor Strange later next year, and that'll deal, deal in oh, the weird, oh, weird aspect of, um, I'm, I'm not familiar with Doctor Strange, but, um, I guess the I think, magic, I think it's, yeah, magic, I think that what I've read is that Doctor Strange is going to kind of introduce like magic into the universe. Yeah, you know, beyond what you have with the Asgardians and stuff. Yeah, and then I don't know what. Don't I think Doctor Strange? What is it? Oh, the year after that, we'll get Guardians of the Galaxy two, which I think will where Thanos will actually become the threat that the heroes of the film deal with before they'll be the last step between Earth and Thanos in that movie. Um, I think we get Black Panther uh, before that, before Infinity War. I'm not sure. I'd have to look up. But, um, but in, like, while this, all this is going on, we still got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, Agent Carter Season 2, the Netflix TV shows, which are, especially the Netflix TV shows, they're, they're supposed to be the more grounded uh, street level of the Marvel universe, but um, I, I don't know if we'll get a movie with the limited scale of Ant Man in the near future. So, cool. <laughs> I think I think the the last movie that we were wanting to talk about is um, you finally got around to seeing Inside Out. Yes, I did. I did. After it came out two months ago, and I got to go see it uh, Monday night, I believe. So, and I, I, I've, I've been hit or miss on being actually going to see Pixar movies the last few years. Uh, after I didn't see after Toy Story three, I didn't see Brave, I didn't see Cars two. Um, it's and it, the best. I did see Monsters University, which was really good. I loved it. And then there was nothing last year. And so we get <clears throat> Inside Out this year. And it, it was so good. It, it's a very heartwarming movie uh, with some good messages in it. A great lead cast. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, Amy Poehler was perfectly cast as Joy. Uh, that was her. Um, but it, it's it, it's odd where Pixar has I don't except aside from the Incredibles movie they haven't had a film where a human 
was the main protagonist of it, unless I'm forgetting something. Because uh, it's weird, because joy and all the emotions are the protagonists, but the the girl is also protagonist in, in a weird sort of way. But I I, I, I really did love it. It's uh, it's really nice to see Pixar just get to be creative. And um, I teared up a few times, especially in scenes related to Bing Bong, uh, who was who really fun. Um, what did you think of it? I'm just rambling. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I think my wife and I went and saw it back when it first came out, like the first week it was out. Mm-hmm. And um, no, it, it, was, it was really good. It was one of, you know, I, the concept of it, I think, is one of the best Pixar, you know, concepts that Pixar has mm-hmm. had. You know, the the illustration of the different, you know, the aspects of your personality and the, you know, the way, you know, emotions and stuff, you know, kind of control you is was just really, really well done. And uh, um, I th- forget what it was. There's one podcast I listened to. It's been a while back um, where they talked about um, just how, like, having that kind of, you know, visualization process you know, could really help, you know, communication with kids on their emotions and their, mm-hmm. you know, being able to say, I'm anger is in control right now and that sort of thing, you know. It, it, it's, okay, it's, it's okay to be sad. It, don't shame people for having emotions. Um, but I did, I really did relate to this movie because uh, she, she's 11 years old in this movie and it, and then she, when she, She's 11. She moves from Minnesota to San Francisco. Uh, as soon as the sequence of the moving started, it's like, oh, man, I've been there. Because when I was nine, I moved from Texas to Arkansas and went through a lot of the same things that she did when it came to going to a new school, uh, just being not having friends for a long time. Um, so that, that really uh, hit home for me on a few levels. Um, uh, I, di- I, didn't, I didn't run away from home, um, but I mean, I got into fights at school and stuff. Um, well, I mean, if you run away from home in Arkansas, you just end up in a field. <laughs> Depends on where you live in Arkansas. Uh, and that, yeah, I lived near fields, or, or but I also lived right next to the highway. But um, but no, it, the, the, there was a lot to relate to it, and um, I, 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 I loved um, one of my favorite sequences was when they uh went into the their the dream land or whatever, where they basically Hollywood. Where they were producing dreams. I love that sequence, I, I, especially watching Jim, Bill, Bill Heater's character, watch, watching the, the dreams uh, as as they or they're played in the headquarters. Um, that was one of my favorite sequences. What, what were you, do you remember what your favorite parts were? Oh, I, I enjoyed that. I really like the the abstract thought part <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah, I, I, that was really enjoyable. Um. I mean, honestly, like, I just kind of enjoyed the whole thing. Like, not, you know, really specific on it. It's just it, the entire way through. Like, I don't really have any complaints on it. I just really enjoyed it. Did, did you catch the Chinatown joke? Uh, yes, I did. 
<laughs> I wouldn't have gotten it if I hadn't seen Chinatown for this podcast. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I really wouldn't have. Um, forget it, Jake. Cloud Town. Um, but no, yeah, I, like, I liked a- anger. I like him reading the newspaper and the headline is basically stating what's going on. First day of school. Um, what else? It, it, it was it was a really good movie. I can't I can't wait to watch it again. Um, and we're we're, like, we're getting another Pixar movie later later this year with uh, the Good Dinosaur, I believe it's called. So we've never had two Pixar movies in one year, and it's because the Good Dinosaur was pushed back. It was supposed to be out last year. Um, so. How would you rank Inside Out with the other Pixar movies you've seen? Um, it's tough, but honestly, like I, I, all of the Toy Story movies, I, I really love. Um, I really liked um, Finding Nemo when it came out. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, that that came out in two thousand. When, when did it come out? Look it up real quick. Two thousand, like three. I want to say yeah. Yeah, 2003. And the sequel's coming out in two years? So that's going to be 14 years in between the movie and the sequel? I I think that's longer between, longer than the gap between any of the Toy Story films. Yeah. I don't know. I'm... with the exception of Cars Two, like all, I, I just enjoy pretty much every Pixar film that I've seen. There's I mean, been a few, I, there's been a few that I haven't seen. Um, there's a few that I'm, you know, it's the ones that I can remember. There, there's a few like the uh, I haven't seen. Is it Brave a Pixar film? Yeah, yeah I haven't seen it either. Yeah, I haven't I, seen Brave. That's weird thing. I probably would have gone to see it, but that summer. I graduated that summer from college. My grandma gave me this gift card to Malco Theaters, $200. And so that whole summer, I was I was constantly in the theater. I was constantly seeing the trailer for that movie. I was tired of it by the time the movie came out. And it, it but after seeing it so many times, it was like I finally realized that this is not going to be a good movie. And from everything I've heard, it just isn't. Beh, it's a very mad movie. Um, and that's a movie where the director was fired like halfway through production on it. So, um, yeah, never saw it. Haven't seen Cars 2. I like the first Cars. I, like, I'm a NASCAR fan. I like that movie. But I didn't feel the need for there to be a sequel. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed car, the first Cars. I... I sat in a room while Cars 2 was on the television once <laughs> and fell asleep. Um, and it was really bad. And they're coming out with Cars 3. Make it, they're working on it. Yay! So, before we wrap up, is there is there anything else you've seen that you want to note real quick or recommend? Um, not really. Um, watched some TV shows. I watched, um, 
the f- first season of iZombie, and that was really good. Um, I just started watching a few episodes of um, Fresh Off the Boat, which is a lot more which enjoyable. I, I, I ver- yeah, I, I highly recommend that movie. It's that show. Yeah. It's coming back for a second season. Yeah, it, it's significantly more enjoyable than I thought it would be. Um, and, I mean, really, that's it? I, 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 a few nights ago, I watched a movie on uh, Netflix called Comet. It's an independent movie that came out last year uh, starring uh, Justin Long, and I believe her name is Emmy Rossum. She was in the uh, Phantom of the Opera movie. Uh, and the best way to describe this movie, it, it's like 500 Days of Summer in that the narrative is jumping back and forth in a timeline. And, um, but it's also the love child of the Before Sunrise trilogy. Have you, have you seen those movies? Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before Midnight? No, I haven't. Pro tip. Rent these movies or whatever, and your your wife will love you. You you you, you will get wife points. Um, that that's a trilogy that stars Ethan Hawke and I can't remember the lead actress's name, uh, but that, that those that trilogy takes place over the course of twenty years, uh, and the the movies are essentially just these this couple meeting each other on a train and then. Uh, walking, I believe, through Paris for a night, just talking. And it's the same way in the second one before sun, Sunset, where it's about 10 years later or something like that, and they meet up again, and then before midnight, they, it, they're they a married couple. And so that's years later. Uh, but yeah, Comet starring Justin Long, it's like that. It's a much more condensed narrative. It takes place over six years and it bounces back in between this, him and uh, his girlfriend and their relationship from the beginning of it to the end of it. And there's some slight sci-fi elements to it um, that maybe doesn't work well, but it's just a very good romantic um, dramedy with a little bit more dramedy than comedy. Um, but if you like 500 Days of Summer or the Before Sunrise movies, uh, I you should check it out. Cool. Well, I guess um, you know that wraps it up for us. Um, I don't know what we're gonna try and watch next. Um, I think we should do a classic movie. Yeah, we'll get that figured out, and we'll propose it on the Facebook page and let everyone know. So maybe somebody can, will want to watch it before they listen to us. Do you have an opinion on any of the movies we have discussed? Uh, you can email us at movietakespodcast at gmail.com or you can email me at danielmcfadden at gmail.com. It's all lowercase. Uh, last name is spelled M-C-F-A-D-I-N. And you can follow me on Twitter with that exact same name, Daniel McFadden. Yeah, and we're um, MovieTakesPod on Twitter. And, you know, on Facebook, it's slash MovieTakes. You know, email us MovieTakesPodcast at gmail.com, whatever. Tell your friends. Communicate with us however you see fit. Just communicate with us, please. Please, please. Just Just, just send an emoticon, maybe. Just let us know you're listening. (laughs) Smiley face or frowny face? Thumbs up or thumbs down. All All right, right, I'm Daniel. James.
And this has been Movie Takes.